but I always felt like every day I was like drowning and I just couldn't keep my head above water. Like I couldn't see the shore. I was just kept swallowing water and just like feeling like I was just drowning and I would wake up and I would do it all over again. Mental health and addiction are largely misunderstood. We often struggle in silence, but there is hope for a better life. I'm Trevor Steinhauser, and this is Stigmatized. Today we're talking about postpartum depression, and I have my sister-in-law who's been brave enough to come and tell her story. And to help me facilitate, I have my friend Aaron Dickman here, who has also experienced postpartum depression. So Emily, this whole thing, your journey really started with a molar pregnancy, right? Yes. Which I still don't really know what it is. So you explain, <laughs> explain it You're to us. You're not alone. I didn't either. Uh, despite being a nurse, I've heard it. The term, but when you're pregnant, you never really think about, you think about all the normal things that can happen, obviously, as any first-time pregnant woman, but um, molar pregnancy. Um, so technically, it is a non-cancerous tumor that develops into a non-viable pregnancy. So it usually happens when two sperm try to fertilize one egg. So genetically, that doesn't work out. <laughs> Too many chromosomes. Um, so it develops into an abnormal cell growth. And it starts out like a normal pregnancy because you get a positive pregnancy test and you, quote unquote, feel pregnant, you know, whatever that, you know, you don't you have like hormone things going on. And um, they don't really know until you go in and have an ultrasound done and or um Actually, I did have an ultrasound done and they didn't know. And it was not until that they were supposed to find like a heartbeat that, that there was nothing there. And then they noticed that it was an abnormal cell growth. And I had to go to an oncologist because if you don't treat the molar pregnancy, it can turn into a cancer. So I had to have um, like a CAT scan and we had to go through. I had to have a um, central line placed um, into my heart because I had to get chemotherapy um, for several months, um, which was interesting. The whole thing was interesting just in the fact that um, so it wasn't really a baby because it wasn't, you know, it was an abnormal cell growth. So you never truly were pregnant? No, I was never pregnant. Okay. It never was a viable fetus it was it was just a growth <laughs> of cells um which is what the definition of like a tumor is so um when you why? think of cancer sorry why don't why didn't they take it out they did oh okay. they did take it out but and there was then. some there's different stages of it um so i had um what was called, um, I don't know if you're familiar with a DNC, like yeah. a suction. Mm -hmm. So they did that procedure and then um, they they did the CAT scan after that and there were still um, tissues and stuff left okay. in. So then that's why I had to have the uh, chemotherapy. Um, so yeah, it was interesting and um, it wasn't really a baby. So they were like, well, you know, it wasn't really a baby. So I kind of felt weird because I was like, well, then I can't be sad. You know, it wasn't like a miscarriage because I can't be sad about that. But then they're like, 
but it's not really cancer. So I was like, well, I shouldn't feel guilty about that because I know I have cancer. So I had like all these emotions like, well, I guess I shouldn't really be sad because it's not a baby, but it's not cancer. So it was just a weird experience. And um, just the chemotherapy was just interesting just because I had to go. And I don't ever wanted to even classify it as a cancer because I feel like that's like an insult to people who actually have cancer <laughs> and I had to go but there's also a chance that it could become that true so. but it wasn't as it, it was just so funny because you kind of build it up to be like <laughs> I remember going into my first treatment and I'm like okay going to be there for hours and you know I'm going to have all these side effects and you know what if you know everyone talks about their hair falling out and all this drama right. and like I'm like all prepared and I'm like people got me like books on how to you survive know, and family, <laughs> yeah and you're just all like chirping in your I know and too, you're like you trying know. to help everyone's trying to help out and be supportive and I go in and like um she gives me like the pre-meds and whatever. And she's like, all right, I'm going to go get the chemo. And I'm like, okay, I'm all prepared. And she brings in this tiny little syringe and it's like three mLs of like, and she like puts it in and she's like, pushes it in and it's like three minutes. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I had all this built up in my mind. And all it was, was just like, I mean, granted, I had to go. It was, I went every day for five days, and then I was off a week. And then I went every day for five days. And that went on for, um, it started in August, and then uh, my last treatment was in December. So, I mean, it was a long process, but it was yeah. by no means um, a cancer drama. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I saw people there with real cancer who were there for hours and were sick. And it was just, um, I kind of describe it as, like, I was on, you know, cancer's doorstep, but and I could see in the window, but I never had to really go in the house. Like a survivor's you know, I never yeah, I thing. never yeah. had to like go in and sit down and be like, all right. So it was just But what a I mean, I know other people have problems, but like what a raw deal because I've never even heard of molar pregnancy either. So you got all your hopes up about being pregnant but then not actually pregnant and now you're doing all the things for cancer but you don't have it is isn't it I mean, weird it was such a weird right? emotional, yeah. <laughs> it is it was a weird emotion i was like i can't you know so and my preface for this is where i was like oh we should probably talk about this first is that kind of started my whole anxiety anyways with trying to get pregnant and before because then i had to wait um they take your levels uh your blood levels and you can't stop the chemo until your levels come down to like a zero, which means that there's no more, um, you know, cancerous Threat. tissues or yeah, yeah. whatever <laughs> in your body. And so, and then after that time I had to wait. So that was in December. So I had to wait six months before I could even think about getting pregnant again. To clear all the chemicals. To clear everything stuff. out and to make sure everything was still okay and everything. And um, of course all that time, like you feel like everybody is pregnant. <laughs> I would say to my husband, I'm like, pregnant people are following me around. Like, I would be in the grocery store line and the pregnant person would be behind me. And I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me. So it was just – and he's like, you're – of course, I was crazy because people are pregnant all the time. You just don't notice it until you're going through something like that. So um, – but I guess I want to start with that too is that, like, the first time before I even found out it was a molar pregnancy – I, you know, you're very excited because you get a positive pregnancy test. So I was really excited and, you know, we were, it was just, 
the second time around, when we actually finally did get pregnant again, it was just such a different experience because, I mean, I took the pregnancy test and it was positive and I just handed it to my husband and I said, okay. And he looked at me and he's like, okay. And like, that was it. And like, we, and then we didn't talk about it. Mm. And like, so I think that's, and I called my doctor and I had to have like, we didn't even tell you guys. So I was like, almost, I had, I had two ultrasounds before I even told anybody in my oh, wow. family <laughs> that I was even pregnant. Um, Cause they had to be extra cautious and stuff like that. So I think I was just anxious from the, even the beginning of my pregnancy just because I was so nervous, like something else like that was going to happen again or what if it did? I don't know if I could handle it again. And um, So were you guarded enough that you weren't really happy? Yeah, I wasn't. I was too scared and nervous to be excited. Like we seriously, like can you imagine like getting pregnant and like just not talking about it even with your just being like – right. All right. Okay. I just was like, all right, I'll call the doctor. And he's like, okay. (laughs) I didn't say anything. (laughs) Do you have any, did you have any anxiety before, like in life? I did. Oh, I totally did. Um, Which is another reason I feel like I had such a bad postpartum reaction to is because my drug of choice is exercise. Like it's always been exercise. I've always worked out. I've use that. I believe that's why I never had to go on medication is because I just worked out. And and you worked out like crazy. Oh my God. Crazy, crazy. person. Yeah, yeah, I'm crazy. I'm still crazy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, join the club, oh, sister. good God. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew it. And my mom would always be like, you know, you should probably go talk to somebody, go to a therapist, whatever, even before I got pregnant, whatever. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'll just kind of deal with it my own way. And it was enough. And then... Since I had with my daughter, I had to have a C-section. I couldn't. It was like cold turkey, no working out, nothing. You know what I mean? And I worked out my entire pregnancy. And I walked and I did all stuff. And it was like the C-section. And I just, I wonder sometimes if I had had a regular um, birth that if it, if it, and I could have worked out fat, like I could have gotten yeah. back to my normal self, if that would have helped somewhat too. Did you have a drawn out labor, like attempt at? anything? Or no, was I was yeah. already, um, I was scheduled to have a C-section. Just because of the risk? Because and- of, um, I have a pelvic floor disorder too, which is also a whole nother podcast <laughs> <laughs> that we won't get into here. <laughs> so I was scheduled to have a C-section and I was kind of, I guess I was prepared for it, but I talked to other people and some people were like, I loved my C-section, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but nobody in our family had ever had a C-section. Like Lindsay had three, you know, regular. My mom did. Like all my aunts, my cousins had all regular. No one had had a C-section. Um, so it was, she was a week early. It was Father's Day and my placenta ruptured. So that was another thing. So Right away. <laughs> so there's something traumatic happening yeah. that made it, yeah. Yeah, so we literally, that was like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We got to the hospital, and she was born at like 3. So they got me in there like right away. Um, and so I would have had yeah. to have a C-section anyways, regardless of if I was scheduled to have one or not. But So that was kind of traumatic, <laughs> and so, that was anxiety because yeah. I was like, oh, my God, because I was bleeding a lot, and it was just like Chris was like, Oh, my God, because we were not 
I mean, we were a good thing I had my bag packed. He didn't. He was all like, <laughs> I'll do it later. Right. I was like, have my bag packed. So I knew what I just grabbed that and we left. But it was still, you still get caught off guard a yeah. little bit. I had pre, like the signs of preeclampsia. Yeah. And they started having me collect my urine to measure my ketones. Oh, God. And so I got a call at six in the morning, which is so, which nothing ruptured, but they yeah. were like, yeah, um, hey, just want to let you know your labs came back and you are showing ketones. So the baby was being rejected by my body, basically, with yeah. preeclampsia. And they're like, we're going to have to have you come in. And I was like, okay. You know, I'm looking at like my calendar. I'm like, when do you think it'd be a good time? And they're like, 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 I mean, brush your teeth, like but you need now. to get here. I mean, and it was like, <laughs> oh, no. And it's just they don't know how much it will, like, get worse or, like, exacerbate. So they want you in right away. So it was like I was really taken off guard. Yeah, I was like, you're taken off guard. Yeah. Panic. Like, Even though you know, like, okay, this baby I, yeah. has to come out of me. It still catches you off guard. And you're like, well, especially with, like, a first one, you're just like, Oh shit! What is happening? Like, what am I doing? So, yeah. and it wasn't like the movies where you wake up in the middle of the night, oh. the little back pain, and you know, <laughs> and your husband rubs your back, and like, I mean, they're just like, yeah, get here. I'm like, okay, All right on the way. Yeah. So. Okay, so you so you have your C-section, and uh, if if I'm rushing you, let me know. No. Okay, so <laughs> you're but, rushing so, me. So you had <laughs> you had nerve issues yes right yeah so that was one thing that i was not expecting um so after the c-section um i i guess i didn't i always felt like i could handle pain pretty well but um after the c-section i had a lot of um initially which i also wasn't expecting and if anyone's gonna have a c-section um I had well, you can relate to this. I had really bad gas pains. <laughs> you thought you'd be out of this conversation, but <laughs> I know you've experienced that before. <laughs> From having my stomach open and stuff, it like was in my shoulder. And if anyone's had laparoscopic surgery too, just like that can be so painful. So I had that was really painful. And then And that's where it manifested in your shoulder? No, the the gas pains did in my shoulder. It was horrible. Really? I know it sounds weird, but it's true. But anyway, if you're gonna have a C section, make sure you take your gas medicine and your stool <laughs> softener. That's my PSA for the day. <laughs> but I had really bad so they when they do the C section, I mean they cut through everything, nerve, muscle, tissue, and um if anyone's have ever had nerve pain, I don't know if you have or not, but it is the worst pain I've yeah. ever felt in my life. It literally felt like somebody was taking a hot poker and jabbing it into my stomach and just leaving it there. Oof. It was just like intense. It was burning. And this was sharp. almost immediately. Yeah, it was almost immediately. And at first I thought something was wrong because I was like... Oh, you know, I was having all this burning. I was telling the doctor, and they're like, "Well, that's just your nerves healing back together. You know, it won't, it shouldn't last very long." Um, which mine lasted like weeks, and um, of course, I did the thing that you're not supposed to do, and I googled <laughs> doctor postpartum, Google. postpartum nerve pain, whatever, <laughs> C-section nerve pain, and you get all these horror stories about mine lasted years and blah blah blah, and. Um, I saw like this great, um, I was trying to look of like, when you were like, oh, talk about, you know, what you're going through, whatever. I found this great word. I forget where I heard it from. It's called, um, catastrophizing. 
And I feel like that's what I was, I did a lot postpartum is like, I just, one little thing would send me into like, oh my God, this is the worst. This is going to be this way forever. I'm never going to get better. I'm always going to be in pain. I, you know, you know, the extreme of the, instead of being like, okay, I'll get through this. Like my mind would just start, you know, spinning and all of a sudden I was never going to get better. I was always going to be in pain. You know, the baby would always cry. I would never sleep again. (laughs) You know, my life is ruined. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the worst person ever. I'm a horrible mom. So I think I felt like I just did that a lot. I would just catastrophize to the ultimate, you know, level. And um, I don't know how you felt like postpartum, but I always felt like every day, um, I was like drowning and I just couldn't keep my head above water. Like I couldn't, I couldn't see the shore. I was just like kept swallowing water and just like feeling like I was just drowning and I would wake up and I would do it all over again. And, um, it's just a helpless feeling. Yeah. (laughs) And I think you're, so you're, daughter yes. had colic yeah so my son had colic as well oh, which yeah. was my first i now that i have them they're eight and ten now so um i have a son and daughter sorry but they um i feel like if now like of course i could never know that but if i know what i know now i feel like it would be awful but i feel like i'd be much better handing a colicky baby yeah but when you're a new mom and that's what you're handed i mean oh my goodness <laughs> Yeah. You're not seeing anything from the Pampers commercial. I mean, no, you're having no, no bot. So you do no. feel like this is terrible. This I mean, is terrible. And you're just like. And everyone's like, oh, my God, see the baby. How are you? So cute. And you're like, want it? Take it. <laughs> so I mean, let's, let's go back. So uh, right when you had the baby. Yeah. D- did these emotions and the crying. I mean, was it pretty much it wasn't from the instantaneously. Get-go? I remember my first um like postpartum they come like a week after you have the baby, like postpartum. And I'm like, I'm sure everything everybody's normally fine a week after because all newborns do sleep. I mean, right off the bat. Cause they haven't had time to like process their whole system or whatever. So that she was sleeping after a week. I mean but that's the only week I think she slept. <laughs> were you were you happy during that short I was period? okay. I felt like I was okay because I remember the nurse coming. They come to your house and do like a home visit. And she was like asking me about postpartum depression or whatever. And I was like, oh, no, I feel okay. You know, I'm, feel, I'm having some pain or whatever. But, you know, it's fine. Um, and then I feel like week two, like shit hit the fan. Like she – I was breastfeeding – um, she became colicky. Um, she had acid reflux. You know, she was spin up all the time. She didn't want to sleep. She would just cry and cry. And we didn't know, like, what was wrong. And um, you have this massive nerve and pain. And I have this nerve pain. You just had a C-section. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So I can't, like, get out of bed on my own. And she's waking up, like, every hour. And um, I'm trying to feed her, and it's just not working. And. Um, we would try to lay her back down, but she would be flat. So she would, all night, she would just make these, like, uh, 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 noises. And we're like, what is going on? Like, and they don't, I don't know if they don't want to, like, put ideas in your head. But when you leave the hospital, they don't be like, all right, these are the signs of reflux. If something happens, you know, like, nobody tells you these things. And um, I just didn't really think about it until I'm like, all right, we went to like a one month visit and I was like, you know, I think that she has acid reflux. I mean, she's just spitting up. She's not sleeping. I was stressed out about it. 
Um, and she was uh, crying all the time. And I was feeling guilty because I was like, I want to breastfeed. Um, but then again, I feel like it's making it worse. And then they were talking about, well, you can, you know, give up dairy or whatever. And I was just like, and tomatoes. You are and- not <laughs> taking away my ice cream. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but I love to eat. So I was like, I don't know if I can give up the food. <laughs> So, so this was at the one month visit. Yeah, the were one you month already visit. starting to come apart? Yes, I was. Uh, we joke about it now, but I'm like, I don't know who was crying more—me or her. taking turns, <laughs> taking turns <Yeah. laughs> with my husband in the middle. Like, well, I remember one night, or he said to me, he was like, "Where did my wife go?" And I was like, "I don't know, but if you find her, tell her I'm looking for her too, because Aww. I don't know." she is I'm like this is not me I'm like I felt like I'm a strong person like I don't cry this much and um I mean I knew that I was prone to anxiety so I I feel like I did get ahead of it it was like two months where I was and then like the two-month mark I was like all right I'm gonna take medication because I'm that, tired was of feeling that early yeah it was really? early because yeah. I, I knew like I just was days. like all right I remember I was trying, I stopped breastfeeding. I'm like, we're doing formula. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I'm going to go on medication because, um, you know, I was fighting with my husband. I was crying all the time. I was not the same person. I was stressed. I think I was like, I got angry at one point because I was in so much pain. And I was just hateful too. Some days I would just resent my husband so much because he could just, you know, walk out the door and go do whatever and he could get up and he was moving around and I was still in so much pain. And I, I felt like when I was breastfeeding too, like I started to feel isolated too, because he he would like leave me in the room and I would just be like, all right, well, anybody want to come in and talk to me? (laughs) And was he back to work pretty quickly? Um, He stayed longer just because I was such a mess. Mm -hmm. So thankfully he was able to take a longer time. Um, But my mom was literally at my house every day. Now, did you... Did you put a mask on at all for her or did you Oh just, no. Okay. No. So she knew instantly oh my God, that there was yeah. a major problem. You can ask. She was like, You are not my daughter right now. She's like, the look on she's like, I would come over to the house and the look on your face was just of pure defeat and despair. <laughs> my mom was like she kept saying you should talk to someone. Maybe you should take something. I think I waited. I don't even remember. I kind of blocked it out. Yeah, I know. Definitely longer than two months. But I remember like sitting in the shower and just crying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just like, I think at the time, I was married at the time and I just, I felt like I needed to be the mom and I needed to know how to do all this stuff and feel good. And I, I didn't want, it wasn't a healthy marriage. So I just, I don't think I wanted to show any weakness. I didn't feel comfortable. And so I just remember crying a lot in the shower and like talking to my mom. And at one point I called her and it's like, she knew I was serious. And I think she was like, oh shit. I said, mom, I really want, do do you think anybody puts their kid up for adoption? Like, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, this isn't working out. I don't feel bonded to him. I, he doesn't like me clearly ask him like yeah I would leave him with other people to babysit for like a couple hours and they're like he's wonderful he took a nap and I'm like wow well, that's great for you like he didn't like me I like didn't feel like a mom I was like does anyone do that like are they like tried the mother 
thing. And it's and she's like, Aaron, I'm like, how long can I last? Like, I can't do this. And yeah. she was just like, I think that's when she was like, okay. <laughs> no, I, I felt the same exact way. And so the um, connection thing too? The connection thing, no. And that was like, everyone's like, oh, you know, you have your baby. You're just like bonded to him and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I did not feel that at all. Um, and I talked to, uh, I was talking to anybody I could talk to, but um, another friend of mine too, I had the same experience, like her daughter had colic and whatever. And um, it's just hard too, because um, another thing I did that you shouldn't do is I was on Facebook. Because <laughs> what do you do when you're like trying to breastfeed or whatever? Right. And a couple of people <laughs> that I'd known had had kids right around the same time I did. And they were like, oh, my baby, I love my baby. Look at my baby, all these pictures and blah, blah, blah. And they were like out and they were like doing things. I had them in the carrier and they were walking around and I'm just like, I couldn't even like shower and get dressed. <laughs> I did not have anything together. And um, I started to feel guilty about that bonding thing. But uh, the girl that I'm talking about, she was like, you know what? Just like every baby's different, every mom is different. And it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. And just because it doesn't happen right away, that doesn't make you a bad mom. And it took me a while to come to terms with that. Because I was like, you know what? And now... Were you defiant? Like calling bullshit on that? Or, you know, like when people were trying to help you, would you... Would you accept the help or were you like, you know what, you don't know what you're talking about. Screw you. You know, you know what no, I'm saying? No, no. I was looking for any – I remember I texted Denise. I texted like people who had C-sections and I was like, have anybody ever had pain like this or colicky babies or what? Like I was trying to find any information I could. But like, I mean, people had colicky babies, but nobody had had like the ner- nerve pain that I had because everyone I talked to that had C-sections was like, no, mm-hmm. I never had that. And that's also a very like isolating feeling. You're like, yeah. nobody understands. I mean, pain, not just nerve pain, but pain in general, is just such a personal experience to each and every one of us. It's like, you can't feel another person's pain. You know what I'm saying? So nobody if could, you try and yeah, if you try to explain it, everyone's, and it's not visible. Like I have a C-section scar, but it's not like you can yeah. see my nerves like on fire. So it was kind of hard for, you know, people to relate to, or if for someone to be like, um, you know, you need to snap out of it and kind of gather your shit and get it together. Right. And to <laughs> some extent, I knew that deep down, but like I said, I just, feel like I kept just drowning and I yeah. could not get my head above water and breathe and calm down so I could swim. <laughs> it's just like I was drowning. And um, that's when, um, but once I started taking Prozac, um, I felt like I finally managed to like keep my head up and also the lack of sleep. Like Oh God, the lack like of the, sleep. There's postpartum, but then like on top of that, if no you've got sleep. postpartum and then you've got a colicky baby. I mean, I calculated at one point because it lasted for seven months. I didn't sleep more than three consecutive hours for seven yeah. months. Like that's a form of torture. That is a form of torture. Like you're losing your mind. And then you kept saying you're isolated. And I like in hindsight, I realized that I felt like a new mom. And I I clearly didn't know what to do to bond and like make them stop crying and like be cute. So I didn't leave the house because it felt out yeah. of control for me. Like I didn't you go saw anywhere. the people, yeah. You saw yeah. the people going out and like in the stroller and like I'm going shopping or like people going to Target and like my mom and sister kept being like, let's right. get a Target and I'm like, I don't want to get a Target. Right. Because what if the baby starts crying? <laughs> yes. And you, 
the pacifier. Which my baby did. I want right. to point this out, Lindsay. My baby did start crying. Yeah. <laughs> we went Lindsay's, to Target. Lindsay's my wife, her sister. <laughs> we went to Target and she did go with me because she was supportive, but. Uh, my daughter cried the whole time we were in Target. <laughs> and and, and usually, at some point, you know, I was like, ha ha. <laughs> women pass babies around and the baby starts to cry. Oh, it wants its mom back. And like when you have a colicky baby, it doesn't want it is the baby doesn't even know what it wants. So like the idea of going out into public, especially alone. It was horrifying. Hor- like I did. I just was so isolated on yeah. top of that because yep. of the colic. I just stayed at home. It was hard enough to deal with it alone. Yeah. I don't. Which. It's so weird. Like you can't get out of the house. Oh yeah, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. Yeah. So with these, so what turned it around for you? I mean, I medication was kind of just um, time. Time, and he stopped being colicky. Yeah. And I was able to string together some more sleep. Uh, we we would joke that he was just pissed off he couldn't walk because around seven months he grabbed um, one of those walking things and started walking, and for some reason that like started to help him stop crying like eight hours a day <laughs> so yeah it just he he stopped and then i started feeling better and i did take medication i just don't remember when but my mom i think was like how do you make that appointment do you talk to that mm-hmm. you don't need, aaron don't even go see a therapist or anything if just just called you know the doctor our family doctor he'll help you like just tell him but like even calling to say okay and why are you coming in I know. Like, yeah. I, I'm just not feeling good. I mean, just bawling mm-hmm. just to even get that first appointment because they have to see you to like yeah. prescribe you something. But yeah, I think, yeah, it was a little medication, a little more sleep and then a little less crying. But I mean, it was a deep, deep fog. Yeah. You don't even know that you're coming out of it until you're out. And you didn't even, I didn't realize how deep I was in it until I was lost. You know, it was... It's a real hazy memory mm-hmm. for me. It's <laughs> so yeah. with, so with trauma, traumatic events like this, people experience blame, shame, guilt. Mm-hmm. Did you both experience that? And was that part of like the target thing? I'm not going to go out there, a because I feel terrible. B because I'm not going to expose the rest of the world to what, my crying ass yeah, baby. I I felt shame, guilt. I felt like. I shouldn't have been a mom. I'm the worst mom. You know, this was a mistake. Um, she doesn't like me. My kid hates me. Like, what am I doing? And then, like, all these other people, I'm not capable because obviously everyone, I had to, like, block so many people, like, even on Facebook because I'm like, <laughs> I can't look at anybody else. I'm like, I just shut myself off from that because I felt so, I don't know, like, just disappointed in myself that I couldn't scrape it together. Yeah. And I know I had everything working against me, but still I was just like, this I shouldn't have I shouldn't have done this right and I didn't want other it's like I wanted help but I didn't like I didn't I it's weird to say but it's like I didn't want him to be good for someone else because yeah. it was going to be proof to me that, that I wasn't good, good enough yeah. and so as much as help would have been helpful it was really hard to surrender and like not be shamed by uh, or f- feel bad about my shortcomings quote unquote you know because he, I like one time I like got the lottery. I won Oprah tickets, and I forget how many yeah. months old he was. But I was like, I left him with my husband at the time. I was like so worried. I was like, it's gonna be awful. I had such deep anxiety. I I woke up multiple times in the hotel room just one night in Chicago. Like, is the baby crying? Like, and I'm like, in a hotel room. But then he, of course, took it to his mother, and I was like, how was he? Were you up all night? She's like, he slept through the night. I was like bawling yeah. because it's me it must be me mm-hmm. oh this is 
hard. No, I know. <laughs> so you stopped breastfeeding. Yes. At, at one point. She was almost two months. I stopped breastfeeding. Because I didn't want to change my diet, and it was just I felt like breastfeeding was another stressor for me because you have to, you know. I did. I have to feed her. I didn't want to pump. I didn't. You know. I'd rather been. I wanted to sleep. I just wanted to sleep. I didn't want to pump. It was just another thing that I had to worry about. You know, is she getting enough milk? How much milk is she getting? Like with a formula and bottle, and and we could sit her upright so we could feed her upright instead of you know with the bottle and everything. And um, we got um, a formula that's supposed to be specific for colicky babies. And we got her on a medicine and um, went to formula. So we were both taking medicine. She was on formula. Um, she still wasn't – she slept at night, but she um, – I had to hold mine for all of her naps until she was about seven months old. <laughs> I couldn't sit down. I had to walk constantly. I remember taking two-hour walks, put her in the stroller for two hours. I would walk in our kitchen, back and forth in our kitchen. Um, Do you ever get a bouncy ball? Yeah, I have a bouncy ball. Swaddle the baby and then just sit bounce. There and just we would slip. bounce forever on the bouncy ball. She didn't want to. Um, she didn't want to close her eyes. We had to literally cover her eyes with like a little um, burp cloth thing and physically make her close her eyes. And I had a, I have like, she did like going outside. So I have like holes in my socks from like walking up and down our driveway, <laughs> running, bouncing. And um, a lot of people take the handle of like the pumpkin the, seat. Yeah. And, and swing. Just, I mean, <laughs> these poor colicky babies are just being like bounced, like walk, I jostled know. and swung. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, throw them on a roller coaster. I mean, they are just like. Something about motion is soothing. soothing to them, but yeah. it's like such to an extreme. It's not like the gentle bounce of a non-colic baby. It's I look back, I'm like, man, that he was just moving around. <laughs> he was just bouncing all over the place. <laughs> was there any did you feel any additional guilt for stopping breastfeeding just because I did you know, like initially um, pressure societal pressure about that's the only way to do it and all that stuff. I did, but um again I talked to some other people and it's not like you go to first grade and your teacher's like, so were you formula or breastfed? Yeah, right. <laughs> you sit over here and you sit all the breastfed babies are here and the formula, right. you know, nobody cares. It's a personal choice. But in and the moment. And- in the moment, it's hard. And, um, but I do feel like since I did it for two months, like she did get a lot of that initial, you know, nutrients or whatever um, right away. So, and she got better when I stopped. Um, she still didn't sleep, but her, um, <laughs> like, the discomfort and, like, the gas and the and the grunting and all that stuff. Once she got on medicine and I switched to um, a formula and she started to be upright more, um, it definitely did get better. So bef- before it got better, did you have – were you resentful of her? Like, I mean, did you have – did you get like angry? Oh my god, I got so angry because I didn't know. First of all, you're exhausted, and they just cry and cry, and you you do everything, and they don't stop, and you're just like you do get angry, and um, 
I know we were talking about this before, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I hate babies. <laughs> they're no fun. <laughs> and they're no fun. And and at first, I was like, I am a horrible person for thinking that. I am a horrible person for, like, um, being like, I understand where the term shaken baby comes from. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't handle it. And so I was... I was angry and I would also get, like I said, resentful um, to just everyone, to my husband, to her, because I think that I didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to comfort her. And that was really frustrating for me. I also think there's just uh, the resentment comes from like, you. I got myself into this situation. Like, well, why yeah. did I think I wanted this? And then I don't think... I mean, this goes a little deeper, like probably into like anthropology, but I just don't think we live like in a community anymore, like very much like tight knit. So I don't feel like I was like super exposed to like other mothers and other babies as much as people used to to understand like that it was going to be OK. I really like in hindsight was like, why did I think I should have known how to figure all this out? Like, I feel like back in the day, once you were like seven or eight people were probably handing you babies. Yeah. You know, I just, as like in my family, like how we were, and we we all live close by, but I just don't feel like I, I don't know how to explain it. I, in hindsight, I, I thought I should know everything because I'm a woman. Yeah. And it's just not, and I've had other people who I feel more comfortable and I talk to them and they're like, oh, I was a nanny. Oh, I was... They somehow had exposed themselves to like more small kids and babies or worked at a daycare. I didn't have that, but I somehow just got in my head that because I'm a woman, I should just, I'll, I'll be good. Sure, I'll take that baby and I'll know instinctively how to do everything. And it's just not true. It's not true. And it's not, <laughs> it, like I said, all moms are different. And some of us just, we don't, I don't feel like I just didn't have that natural instinct. And, yeah. um, and I remember I did. <laughs> His wife, my sister, Lindsay, I apologized to her like profusely because they all they had three kids before I even got married. So it was like a t <laughs> you guys, her like start was like totally different. And I was like, I just had no clue when she was raising these three kids. And I apologized to her. And I'm like, I had no clue what you were going through. And I feel like I mean, I would babysit, but I feel like I wasn't really like there for her, you know. But I mean, I, I just know didn't she, know. I didn't know how hard know. it was. Right. And, you know, people would talk about being a mom and I'm just like, yeah, it's okay. I'm sure it's not it's that bad. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the hardest job ever. Yeah. Ever. When the medicine started working, like how did, how did that, how did things change and what did it look like? Um, is it slow? Can it I was, ask how, first how old your daughter is now? She's 15 months now. Oh, okay. So you're – Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Saucing me, but um <laughs> so I feel like the um I feel like my I had depression, but I feel like I had like an overwhelming anxiety with her. I started I was so anxious about her sleeping and I still am like I still have PTSD. Like and anyone will ask you if anyone's like one thing, one rule of my house is don't fuck with my schedule. <laughs> Everyone knows it. Like I am on, she is on a schedule because I'm like, I tell my mom, she's watching it right now. I'm like, you better have her in bed by 145 or, you know, what? And they're like, we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
because I get I was so paranoid about her sleeping and I would be so anxious. I would hold her and I would like shake and I would be my mom was just like just this is when she was a baby baby. She was like, just put her down. Emily, just set her down. You can just set her down. And I, it took me literally like 20 minutes just to put her down because I was – To let her cry I out. was so scared that she would wake up. I didn't want her to wake up because she was sleeping when I would hold her. And my mom was like, you got to put her down. You got to put her down. And I couldn't do it. I would stand over the crib and just – be like, all right, here we go. I'm, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put her down. And then I just, I, right. I had so much anxiety. It was ridiculous. So I think the medicine really helped with that. And I'm still taking it now. And I feel like I don't catastrophize as much as I used to. Like that anxiety level is just like, I don't ever react. Things happen. I'm like, it'll be okay. Like I can finally realize, like. This is temporary. How we'll much, fix it. How much do you think your anxiety affected the colic? Like I worry about that too, and I still worry about that. How much it's going to affect her even in later life? Because I'm do like, you think it I, made her cry more. I wonder. Like, yeah. yeah, and I wonder if the anxiety. I always wonder if the anxiety I had during my pregnancy. I'm always like, I made yeah. her like this because I was anxious the whole time, and I didn't relax. And she was born and in this traumatic way, and mm-hmm. now she's anxious, and that's why she's crying. Yeah, I think about all that. Stuff. Like I come home in a bad mood or a stressful day from work, and if I can stop for a second, I can realize that I've heightened the stress in the house. Yeah, with what I'm bringing in there, and I guess that gets a little hokey about like energy and stuff. But I, no, I, I know it's real true. and it's true, and like. I think the medicine or whatever people do, it's like that cycle. Because when you're anxious, you're increasing your adrenaline, which heightens all the feelings of anxiety. But I feel like when you've got this baby that you need to be attached with, I feel like I don't know. When I had colic, I or my baby, I had colic too. I cried a lot. I know. (laughs) Um, But I feel like I had to break that cycle, and the medicine did help. It's like I had to stop being so anxious for the baby to stop feeling it and maybe it didn't go away completely but it definitely stopped that circular of that energy of like anxiety and crying and uh, now i'm anxious again and it just was like over and over it was over over again yeah that's a good point yeah yeah i think that definitely stopped that um perpetual (laughs) flow month (laughs) month what month did it start to lift like if you started meds at two or three months i would say around I would say around five or six months, and then by about eight months, I felt pretty good. How did she feel? The medicine helped me focus so I could help her. So I um, got her on a schedule. I completely um, changed her room. Um, I darkened her room. I had the noise machine. Like, I kept her on a schedule. Like, I was adamant about the sleeping. And once she... Her body got used to like, okay, this is when I sleep. This is when I eat. And I I wasn't anxious anymore, so I was able to help her do that. And she started sleeping around seven months. I really feel like that's when everything kind of was like, I feel like I finally took like a breath. <laughs> so fast forward to now. How are things? She's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Very <just> needy. Jerk. Um, <laughs> no, things are really great now. Um, she sleeps great. She sleeps um, 11, 12 hours at night, still takes two naps. Um, I'm still a schedule crazy person, but 
Um, I just feel like that's what she needs. And I just think she needs a lot of sleep anyways, or else she's still, I feel like she still gets fussy, but I'm not, she's great. She's fun. She's running around and eating great, sleeping great. And almost maybe months makes me want to have another one. Not really, but <laughs> I we'll <do> see. <laughs> time helps. Like I think time around, does help. Time around, is your best friend. Yeah. Uh. Like that age, if they're like crying, you're like, what hurts? They yeah, can start they to can be like, tell you. my hand, it, <laughs> For someone that's an already anxious person, like not being able to figure out what or why is really like you yeah. said your catastrophe is everything. Yeah. Now you're like, I can maybe have somewhat of a conversation yeah. with a 15 month old and like, or they're going to put their hand on their stomach or their yeah. foot. It, it does. Time does. is yeah. the best, the best thing, I think, <laughs> especially when they sit up and start walking around and yeah. that reflux really goes away. I feel like at that point. Well, I've been through depression, a lot of it, but I've never experienced something like when you were going through what you were going through. I mean, it was like, I've never felt so terrible for somebody. I mean, it was just, and everybody. <laughs> it was a mess. Oh, it was really, it was terrible. My I parents mean, still call it the summer of Marin. That's my daughter's name because I was at their house or she was, my mom was at our house every, she was born in June. And so like all of July, all of August, yeah. it was horrible. And my mom was at my house or I was at their house every day or I would make my mom take her and I would go home and watch TV. <laughs> and I think like I've told other women this, like who've gone through it and I'm like, and they relate to it. And I don't know if you will, but I'm like, I wasn't at the point necessarily of like, I wanted to die, but like I would have a hundred percent if they said, come to the hospital, we'll hook you up and we're going to put you just in like a four or five day coma. You can reset. Yes, please. <laughs> I was like, that sounds amazing. And then maybe I would feel alive again or have a light in my eyes. Like it's, it, you know, I didn't necessarily want to like commit suicide. Like yeah, that I part of depression, it was that, just yeah. like, I needed to decompress, to reset, to have a deep rest. It just, I don't, that's how I describe it. I'm like, yeah. I just wanted a voluntary four to five day coma. Right. I <laughs> I think we all need that. Right. Even now. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> well, you just had her birthday. I mean, it's been a, a couple months yeah. in, in, June. in June. But to see you guys, both of you, happy and laughing and smiling, oh, yeah. it was, I mean, it was emotional for a lot, I think, all of the family because it's like what we've wanted forever. And I mean, I'm just thrilled oh, I know. To, to see the light in both of your eyes because it was just not there. Oh, it's a t I think about that. All, I'm like... Like last month and this month, I'm like, oh my god! Last year at this time, what a difference! It's oh. just it feels like it feels like forever ago because it was just like non recognizable. I was not recognizable, you know. She's just a totally different kid, and you know our bond is so like she is a mama's girl, and we have like Aww. a great bond now. But yeah, totally different place than a year ago. So last thing, what do you say to mothers? that are going through this right now? Um, I say, just like I said before, um, just like every baby is different, every mother is different, and your experience is not someone else's experience. And you will get through it, and um, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to take medicine. It's okay to cry. Um it's okay to ask for help. Um, it doesn't make you weak. It makes you better. Um, and you learn more. And I feel like now even going through all that, I'm stronger and I don't 
stress over like little things anymore that happened with her. I'm like, well, this is nothing compared to where we started from. So um, just take time for yourself too. Um, exercise I still feel is really important. I take time every day to work out and take a walk outside and being outside I think is wonderful. So yeah. Aaron, any um, was particularly going through that in postpartum, I think that there's not enough emphasis on the mother's not really necessarily always going to ask. They're going to ask for help, but as it relates to the kid, I just don't think there's enough emphasis on making yourself whole again. I feel like there's like a coming apart that happens and your body and everything's changing. And like nobody's everyone's like, try this. Did you swaddle the baby? Did you do that? Nobody. And I wasn't asking for help for me at all. Like you said, like no one's, you feel guilty taking time to go exercise for yourself, but putting yourself first is the first thing you should be doing because when you're depleted and empty and feeling broken, like how can you be anything to anybody else? And it took me like so long to be like, I need this for you. I need to be selfish to be a good mom. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what I would tell people and maybe encourage people in their circle for once to maybe like try to help them the mom because it's going to help the baby in turn but there's just a lot of focus on cute little squishy babies but right. yeah so that's what i would say i agree well yeah. you guys are warriors tr <laughs> truly warriors because um i mean we, we, the males have no clue what going and my wife tells me that very often <laughs> what going through a pregnancy is alone like, is yeah. like but then to have all this uh, emotion and, and uh, trauma to go with it. It's just truly amazing. And like I said, to see where you are now, it's just phenomenal. So I want to thank you both for spending some time and, and hopefully this will help other mothers out there that are, that are struggling. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I want to thank everyone that makes this show possible. Production by Gwen Sound. Artwork by Neltner Smallbatch and photography by John Willis and Lindsay Steinhauser. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review. Visit our website for more information at stigmatizedpodcast.com.